0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hello, and welcome back to the Forgotten Origins of Fairy Tales, the podcast where I look into the truth behind our best-loved children's stories. Now, as you can probably tell, I'm under the weather at the moment with a sore throat and a cough. But don't worry, it's not Covid. So apologies for the raspy voice. Fingers crossed it should be gone by next week. So this podcast is all about the elves and the shoemaker. And yes, I should probably have waited until we were a little bit closer to Christmas for this one. But it's a great story and I have other Christmas ones lined up for December. So don't worry. So, without further ado, let's crack into the summary of this lovely story. Once upon a time there lived a shoemaker, who, by no fault of his own, became so poor that at last he had nothing left but enough leather for one pair of shoes. So in the evening he cut the leather into the shape of the shoes, and left his work on the table to finish in the morning. He lay down quietly in his bed, miserable, and before he fell asleep, he asked God to help him. In the morning, just as he was about to sit down to work, he saw the two shoes standing quite finished on his table. He was astounded and didn't know what to make of it. He took the shoes in his hands to look at them more closely and saw that they were so neatly made that there was no bad stitch in them. It was just as if they were intended as a masterpiece. Soon after, a customer came to the shop. And as the shoes pleased him so much, he paid more than the usual price. And now the shoemaker had enough money to buy leather for two pairs of shoes. That night, just as before, he cut out the leather and the next morning he was about to set to work with fresh hope for the future when he saw that the shoes were already made. There was no shortage of customers who wanted the shoes and the shoemaker soon had enough to buy leather for four pairs of shoes. The following morning... He found the four pairs were made, and so it went on and on. Any leather that he cut out in the evening was finished by morning. Soon he was no longer poor, and he even became quite rich. Now one evening, not long before Christmas, the man finished cutting out the leather, as usual, but this time he said to his wife, "'Let's stay up tonight.' to see who it is that lends us this helping hand. And the woman liked the idea and lit a candle. Then they hid themselves in the corner of the room behind some clothes which were hanging there and watched. As soon as the clock struck midnight, two little elves came into the room, both without any clothes on, and sat down by the shoemaker's table. They took all the work which was cut out before them and began to stitch, sew and hammer so skilfully and so quickly with their little fingers that the shoemaker couldn't turn his eyes away. They didn't stop until all the work was done and stood finished on the table. And then, giggling to each other, they ran quickly away. The next morning the woman said, "'The little men have made us rich!' "'and we really must show them how grateful we are for it. "'They run about with nothing on. "'They must be so cold. "'I'll tell you what I'll do. "'I'll make them some little shirts, coats, vests and trousers, "'and knit both of them a pair of stockings. "'You can help too. "'Make them two little pairs of shoes.' "'And the man said, "'I shall be very glad to do it.' "'One night, when everything was ready,' They laid their presents all together on the table, instead of the cut-out work, and they hid themselves to see what the little men would do. At midnight, right on cue, they came bouncing in, wanting to get to work at once. But as they did not find any leather cut-out, but only the pretty little articles of clothing, they were at first puzzled. And then delighted, they dressed themselves very quickly, putting on the pretty clothes and singing, Now we are boys so fine to see, why should we longer cobblers be? They danced and skipped and leapt over chairs and benches. At last they danced out of the doors. From that time on they came no more. But as long as the shoemaker lived, all went well for him, and all his business prospered. Now, from what I can tell, The Elves and the Shoemaker was created by the Brothers Grimm as their 39th story, so unlike the other ones I've previously mentioned, which were collected and documented by the pair, the story was actually written by the German siblings. But that's not the only reason it stands out. It's actually the only tale they wrote that references Christmas as a key theme, which might also be why it's their most popular original tale. So... If there isn't a lot to explore about the backstory of this cheeky fairy tale, and the line stops with the Grim Brothers, why have I chosen to talk about it? Well, I thought it'd be interesting to explore the history of the focal characters. The elves. Like fairies and nymphs, elves have been a staple of folklore for centuries, But unlike their mythical counterparts, their origins likely sprung from Norse mythology. They were described as being demigods, luminous beings more beautiful than the sun, who often appeared in the form of beautiful children. How do we know this? Well, they make frequent appearances in Old Norse and Old English poetry, with the Norse god Freyr said to be the lord of the elves. These half-gods were believed to have had a turbulent relationship with humans. They were responsible if a person got sick, but also had the power to heal them, which they were prompted to do if sacrifices were made in their name. So animal and human sacrifices were frequently made to elves during the 8th and 9th century. But it was in the 15th century that elves really started to embed themselves in folklore and bedtime stories. They developed a reputation for pranks and mischief, and strange daily occurrences were often attributed to them. So, for example, when the hair on a person or a horse became tangled and knotted, such elf locks, as they were called, were blamed on elves, and a baby born with a birthmark or any kind of deformity was called elf marked, So unexplainable daily occurrences were blamed on these elusive creatures. Now, elves differed from fairies because they were supposed to be mischievous pranksters. And a key example of this is Puck from A Midsummer Night's Dream. He was said to have been an elf, which is why he was Oberon's henchman rather than one of Titania's fairy band. But after the turn of the 17th century... Elves went from being mischievous to downright seditious and borderline demonic in the United Kingdom. They were said to sneak into the homes of those with young babies and steal them, dragging them off to the elven realm and replacing them with what were called changelings. These changelings were identical to human babies, but was said to have sour dispositions and became sickly and pale, because changelings were not meant for the human world. There was even advice going round in the 17th century that instructed any parent who suspected their baby of being a changeling to leave it out in the woods so the elves would reclaim it. So quite a few children were lost to the elements because their parents believed they were the work of elves, Yeah, these mythical creatures aren't looking so cute and innocent now, are they? So, though elves and fairies differ in regards to origins and characteristics in Europe, by the 19th century they were largely considered to be different names for pretty much the same creature, and fairies became the overarching name to encapsulate both. Except in one area, where elves are still king and that is, of course, the North Pole with Father Christmas. But when and why did elves become associated with Christmas? Well, it's actually a recent phenomenon. Santa Claus himself is described as a right jolly old elf in a classic poem, A Visit from St Nicholas, or as we know it today, The Night Before Christmas written by Clement Clarke Moore in 1822. And this was the first time these mythical creatures were associated with the holiday. And the image of elves in Santa's workshop was then popularised in magazines in the mid-1800s. In 1857, Harper's Weekly published a poem titled The Wonders of Santa Claus, which included the lines, In his house on top of a hill and almost out of sight, He keeps a great many elves at work, all working with all their might, to make a million pretty things, cakes, sugar plums and toys, to fill the stockings hung up, you know, by little girls and boys. And if you want to get political about the whole Father Christmas situation, there are those who have argued the workshop stands to represent a romantic vision of American capitalism which would make sense timing-wise. I won't go into it too much now because it's a little bit off topic, but if you are interested, historical economist Penn Restand has written an interesting thesis on this, which you can find online. And if you'd like to know more, you can message me over Instagram and I'd be more than happy to send over my resource list for this podcast, as it is fascinating. Anyway, moving on. Though elves have been resigned to holidays and children's books for many cultures today, there are some areas of the world where belief in these creatures is still commonplace. Iceland, for example. According to a 2015 study, about half of the residents of Iceland believe in elf-like beings known as hoodlfolk, hidden people. Or at least don't rule out their existence in fact the supernatural beliefs are so strong that many road construction and building projects have been delayed or rerouted to avoid disturbing the elves homes so the population feels so strongly about the protection of elf land that laws were written in 2012 stating that all places reputed for magic or are connected to folk tales customs or natural beliefs should be protected for their cultural heritage How amazing is that? Wish we had those kind of laws in the UK. So there we have it. Elves have an amazing history spanning well over a thousand years. Not only have they played a part in religious practices, led to the deaths of some unfortunate children, become a symbol of a Christian holiday and been the focal character for countless pieces of literature, from A Midsummer Night's Dream to The Lord of the Rings. But in parts of Scandinavia, they are still worshipped and protected to this day. So that's all for this week. I hope you found it interesting, if a little different from my usual content. But next week, we're getting spooky in a Halloween special with The Legend of the Headless Horseman. Or as it was originally named, the Headless Hessian of the Hollow. If you've enjoyed this podcast, why not head over to my Instagram page, Forgotten Origins Podcast. That's all one word, Forgotten Origins Podcast, where I upload new content every week. And as always, please recommend this podcast to any friends and family you think might also enjoy it. (laughs)